Welcome back to the United States Army John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School podcast, Knowledge Wins. I'm your host, Major Anthony Wirtz, and today's guest is Colonel Jeremy Mushter, the current 8th Psychological Operations Group Airborne Commander. He's coming from uh, his last position as the Director for Information Operations in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations and Low Intensity Conflict. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Glad to be here. So to start off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your pre-RSOF career in the Army, sir? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I commissioned in 1997 from the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, um, which is a, a very little and little-known school on the North Shore of uh, Long Island. And uh, so for me, it was a direct commission into the Army. I did four years of Naval Reserve time, but I had always wanted to go in the Army, and, and Kings Point was just uh, a sort of a means to get here. But along the way, I picked up some... Uh, some special skills, still have my license to sail unlimited tonnage vessels on any ocean. And uh, so out of that school, I could only uh, come into, at that time, the engineers or the transportation corps. So I did an internship with a boat company, or we called it uh, cadet troop leader training, down at Fort Eustis. And, uh, and I didn't want to be the Army's boat prodigy, right? So I was with that boat company, and I kind of knew more about their, uh, their LCUs and their LSVs than their lieutenants did. So I wanted something a little bit different. So um, I went to the engineers and I knew from the engineers I had good mobility to potentially switch to other branches later on. And it wasn't necessarily the case with the Transportation Corps at that time. Um, so I started off as an engineer and I went out and I did my uh, engineer officer basic course out at Fort Leonard Wood. Um, and I was noticeably behind, just so everybody's aware. Coming out of the Merch Marine Academy, we didn't do any Army stuff. So on the last day, I put on a green suit, I said I do, and that was it. And so I had a steep learning curve at the basic course, um, but that went well enough, and I was the company XO, and, uh, and then after graduation, went to airborne school, and then went over to Schweinfurt, Germany. And uh, so I was uh, in a mechanized engineer unit over there, and so I was a, a combat engineer platoon leader. And then uh, after that was done, I spent about six months working up at the Division IG in, uh, in Würzburg, Germany. Um, came back to run a, uh, an engineer support platoon. Took that to Kosovo when Kosovo happened in the summer of 99. And then after uh, redeployment, I was, the, uh, I was a company EXO at that point. So that was sort of my engineer time came back to the States, did the Infantry Officer Advance Course, um, and then PCS to brag and started looking at what else I could do. I remember being in a, in a, uh, in a training scenario um, out in Grafenvir where you know, I'm, I'm a platoon leader running with a grappling hook, throwing it, falling down on the ground and pulling for tripwires in, in an inert minefield. And I remember thinking, I think I can do more than this. Right, so that kind of started my thought on what else in the Army is, is open that I might be able to do and maybe use my talents a little bit differently. So from that broad experience, uh, formative, to, to create the, the company grade officer, uh, if you will, sir, and then that, that moment of realization in that uh, simulated minefield in Grafenvir, um, that was obviously the, the catalyst for that thought, as you say. Why did you look specifically towards PSYOP, or was it your first choice at all? Yeah, so I think what I used to do, and this is like a good TTP for all officers, really, is you should always be looking at what opportunities are out there. So I would hunt through the Human Resources Command 
or PERSCOM back then it was, website, and take a look at what do the other branches have to offer? What are the other opportunities? And I would read through all of the different uh, branches, newsletters and things to try to get a better understanding because different branches communicate differently with their populations. Some communicate better than others and, and for some, you know, it ebbs and flows in terms of, uh, you know, personalities and who does that kind of communication better. So as I was going through this, I looked at RSOF and I was very interested in it. But for me, it was, it was purely um, a circumstantial thing where I had met a major at a function here on post at Fort Bragg and, uh, and he told me they had uh, a company command opening up. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, PSYOP. And I kind of laughed at him. And, uh, but I didn't really know what it was, right? So, you know, that was my initial reaction. I'm like, okay, thanks. And, and I actually went home and I started reading about it. And I said, you know, I probably shouldn't have laughed at that major. And I told my wife and I said, you know, this is really the kind of thing I'm interested in. You know, the cross-cultural communication, working with indigenous partners, uh, working from, you know, tactical through strategic level, um, low visibility, higher uh, risk and things. So that was, that was really attractive for me. Foreign language training, right, all this kind of. So it was, it was really me going back and saying, you know what, I will, I will gladly interview for that company command. And, uh, and I interviewed with the fourth group commander at the time, and this was for the headquarters support company for our third uh, SIAP battalion. Um, and, and so I got accepted to that, and, uh, and that was great. So from that point on, I got myself into this track where the Army had to basically accept me as what we were, a functional area back then. So I used that as a springboard to kind of get my foot in the door with PSYOP, and then once we became a branch and everything, it was, it was no problem to continue. So given that um, it's changed since then, right, sir? So uh, formalized as a branch, uh, now with, um, when I came in, it was a paper board uh, and then the qualification course. And then after that, uh, in more recent years, we have assessment and selection leading to that, uh, that qualification course. But uh, you've been here to see us grow. Uh, so since becoming a PSYOPer then, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your experience and, and what motivated you since, as you mentioned, it was a functional area when you joined, uh, what, what influenced you to, to remain as an influence professional? Yeah, I think, uh, I think my interest was there because I had people who wanted to use me in a PSYOP capacity. So, you know, as a headquarters support company commander, as an engineer at the time, I was already getting utilized by the battalions to support planning. And so I went over to Korea and I helped draft a PSYOP supporting plan to one of the major um, operations plans on the peninsula. And so that really got me involved. Um, and so after command, they sent me to Naval Postgraduate School. And then following that, coming back to Fort Bragg, I had uh, a few deployments. And so the first one was immediate deployment to Afghanistan as a captain um, supporting a special mission unit. Capture kill missions, uh, high op tempo, um, a lot of ability to sort of make of it what I could, traveling around the country, engaging with different tribal elders, and for you know, different mission sets than we would have with, with other um, special operations forces. 
So that was great, and I did that for a year. And then I came back, did a period of reset, in, and then I was in 5th Psyop Battalion at the time, which is the PACOM Battalion. Um, after a few months there, I went to Jakarta, Indonesia. And I was a, a one-person military information support team at the U.S. Embassy in Jakarta. Um, so simultaneously, the leader of my own uh, element, essentially me, but with a lot of money, and also on uh, military liaison element, which is a soft element deployed out, um, integrated special forces, civil affairs, psychological operations to support the country team. And so that was another year-long deployment, great uh, deployment there. Did a lot across the country to be able to get after counterterrorism operations, multimedia nationwide, um, and just a tremendous experience. Came back from that, uh, did what we all sort of have to do, which is a little bit of group staff time, uh, moved up to be a battalion XO, and then was the J3 for the what was the Joint SIOP Task Force at the time out in Qatar. So those are sort of my formative experiences. Um, and so that second stint back with the SIOP uh, group was really about a six-year timeline where I had a lot of good operational time, worked my way up through uh, the, key, the, the key and developmental um, experiences that we expect of our majors and then kind of pushed off from there. So really it was about the experience, the investment, and just loving what I was doing that, that kept me around. So a lot of what you said there, sir, and uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier as well, is how much um, psychological operations is a multidisciplinary field. Uh, and, and that focus was attractive to you uh, when you were an engineer officer. And I think that uh, your, your quick history there of your time in PSYOP uh, gives a good example of that. I mean, immediately out the gate, supporting a special mission unit, uh, and then going to handle everything that support to public diplomacy would, would require in a MIST, the military information support team, uh, to include fiscal um, diplomacy, everything uh, that you as a young officer on your own at that point had to handle. Um, taking that lens, and that breadth of experience, there's a current discussion uh, that within the Army, I should say, that psychological operations has an identity problem. Um, it seems to me that from your breadth of experience, you know exactly what you're doing and what we are doing, uh, not only for the, the regiment, for our missions, for our soft, for the Army at large. Uh, do you think that that statement of a problem is true? Do you think that PSYOPers uh, have an issue with understanding their mission? I don't think so. I, I think that where we struggle is being coherent about talking about what our mission is. To relay that or relate that to people within the Army, to other people within the Joint Force, to seniors. And, and I think that really what we're getting at here is we have a very multidisciplinary field, as you say, right? We pull aspects from sociology, from psychology, aspects of marketing, foreign language and culture, and you're pulling all these things together. And so what that means is, in earnest, we have very intelligent people, very cerebral people, who, if you ask them what they do, they're gonna start explaining exactly what they do. Well, we pull from this, and we use this kind of methodology, and. And so it's not the short kind of pithy answer that people are looking for, right? 
infantry guy, what are you here to do? Well, to close with and kill the enemy. Okay, I understand that, right? So I think it's, it's more about boiling down the essence of what it is that we do for people and explaining it. But I don't think it's an identity problem in any way. I think it's just about how do you know and pound your message as a force coherently, right? So for me, this is about we're masters of influence. We're the capability who's trained to actually methodically take people, change their behavior, um, and this is not something that's done in other capabilities. IO doesn't have a methodology for this. Public diplomacy doesn't really have a methodology. Some other agencies use our methodology, right? But what we have to be able to convey is what's unique about what we do, because you can always say, well, this capability is to generate influence. Yeah, I, I got it, I got it. But we're the ones who are charged with creating behavioral change. And so what I tell my people is that we're masters of influence. We're the core of modern information warfare. Uh, we conduct influence activities to create or intensify fissures, confusion, and doubt in adversary organizations. We use all means of dissemination from sensitive and high-tech to low-tech to no-tech. And we also use methods from overt to clandestine to deception. And so that, for me, encapsulates, and, th and there's a lot behind that. There's every, every one of those statements is packed full of meaning and full of depth about what our influence professionals actually have to do. That statement, sir, is, uh, I'm gonna try and think about how I wanna phrase that. How do you um, couch that, sir, on, on the back of your card? Yeah, so that's, that's the PSYOP Force's identity. Right, okay, so the, the description you just gave then, sir, is, uh, is what you term and what others should term, I argue, uh, the PSYOP Force's identity. Uh, other people would call it a value proposition, uh, whatever the term. Uh, it is a coherent explanation, and it, I think your point is driving that uh, maybe we need to be a little bit more polished in our explanation to our own, the Army, uh, or the Joint Force, uh, how unique we are and how we deliver effects on their behalf. Um, from that, uh, that statement, sir, why is SIOP currently, today, and in the near future, or the distant future, important to the Army and Joint Operations? Yeah, it's, it's hugely important, and I think we, we've all seen that. The way that the information environment has evolved over the last 20 years, rapidly increasing in its evolution over the last 10 and over the last five, right? The methods that we've seen our adversaries use, China and Russia and Iran and North Korea, getting into that environment and us realizing that in a lot of ways we don't have barriers to defend against those, right? There's no concrete barriers to defend. So we have to defend forward. And our point is to be able to create multiple dilemmas for our adversaries, forward-focused, offensively. And there's other agencies that are entrusted with having to deal with domestic threats and things like that when it comes to um, the information environment. But outwardly looking, more and more the future of DOD and the future of the joint force revolves around influence and that's why I say we're, we're masters of influence, we're the core of modern information warfare. Everything that we do going forward when you look at drawing down footprints in Afghanistan, in Iraq, you know, the, the optimization of forces in AFRICOM, um, all of that points to the need to be able to retain forward influence and PSYOP is the way that you do that. PSYOP integrated with other information-related capabilities. And we are the ones to lead that effort. We have to retain that forward influence, sir, because otherwise, as you say, when we, when we draw down, there's a potential vacuum. 
who's going to fill it, uh, and if they are not friendly or uh, allied, obviously we stand to lose significant ground with U.S. interest. Um, you mentioned also being, uh, you starting over. You mentioned also the necessity to create multiple dilemmas forward focused against our enemy. So in the context of the future operating environment, uh, as current PSYOPers need to maintain their skill sets and hone it as the information environment rapidly evolves, as you've noted, uh, is there any advice or guidance you'd give to those current PSYOPers to make themselves more effective or to continue that professional learning? Any Anything specific, whether it's related civil or corporate disciplines, maybe something specific uh, within the, the joint force? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of things that I would look at. Number one is self-study, and self-study is hugely important. What are you doing to be able to better yourself on your own terms? Nobody's directing you in what you will study. You have to have that plan for yourself. I can tell you that until I went to Naval Postgraduate School as a captain, I didn't have that outlook. And once I went there and I spent that uh, 15 months being directed on read this, read that, write this, write that, um, I came out of there saying, okay, no more. I'm going to direct my own study. I read the whole chief of staff of the Army's reading list, right, both times that it had come out over the, over the course of a couple years. Um, I had read the SOCOM commander's reading list, and I, I had gone through all those things that they said, this is what you need at the, at the company or at the field grade level. Then I started supplementing with other things that I felt were more um, PSYOP influence focused. And I would kind of sprinkle those things in myself. Um, so self-study is hugely important. And then the other thing I would add is for schooling, we need to invest in our people to go to schools. And our folks should be clamoring to do that as well, right? So what I'm talking about is rounding yourself out in terms of information related capabilities. So my experience, and, and I, I took this to heart, right? So my experience was I, I went to the joint IO planner course um, in Norfolk. I got myself sent to that, which was actually hugely important to me as I went to be a J3 at the Joint PSYOP Task Force because there was goodness in what they talked to in integrating information-related capabilities. Um, I did the STO planner course and um, the associated courses with that to become a STO chief at my organization, so Special Technical Operations Chief. Um, and, then, uh, and then Military Deception was a separate one that I did, because it's part and parcel of what we do um, for PSYOP, is to understand the methodology behind military deception and to incorporate that to be able to support um, Joint Force Commanders. So those are some areas. Now, had I had more time, what would I have wanted to do? Electronic Warfare right, the cyber course that they teach. And these things can be found at First IO Command and, and elsewhere, MTTs and things like that. But that's something I'm working on with my folks in my group is trying to make sure that we have the emphasis. Obviously, COVID um, is a restraint or a constraint on things that we have across the board. But then looking forward, how are we going to do this? How are we going to train more of our people in these capabilities? With the, um, with that evolution of our information environment globally uh, and with adversaries who aren't able to match our our military might um, I'm going to start that over yeah give me a second sir um, I had a follow-on question here I think it's a uh, 
I was going to ask you what you think about um, let me formulate it the best way. Any concerns about an adversary being ahead of us electron or uh, technologically and cutting out our ability to uh, to communicate a certain way. Okay. Um, I heard uh, an interesting thing, and I think it was uh, Pete Brands who said it. He said, you know, what we need in the future is an escalator because when it breaks, we still have what we used to have, the staircase. I would argue that cyber's not that. I'm not going to go that far. Okay. <laughs> you know, but um, what do you think? Yeah, so I think that... Uh, well, that, that wasn't... Before, I mean, do you, do you like that question? Yeah, I mean, okay. I think you, you want to phrase it in terms of, uh, you know, our ability to retain um, the capability to access denied areas, inhospitable That's areas, perfect. low, um, uh, less mature information environments. That's perfect. Thank you, sir. Yep. So along the lines of all the schooling that you mentioned, sir, uh, with cyber and electronic warfare, for example, um, as the information environment continues to evolve, there's a, a distinct chance that our adversaries could develop a, t a capability to deny our ability to communicate through technological means. Um, as we progress into the future, what is your take on being able to still influence in a less mature environment or an area that's denied because of adversarial action? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think that that's a lot of what DOD is looking at right now when it comes to modernization. How do you continue to be able to have the right technology to defeat anti-access area denial threats? How do you ensure your own comms and have the capability to deny the enemy theirs? I think for PSYOP it's the same kind of thing, right? We have to be able to inject ourselves into mature information environments, uh, engage where audiences are right now in the modern world, um, but we can't go away from the fact that we have to be able to access denied areas. We have to be able to tap into or put up our own networks and give people access to those and deny the enemy the, the uh, potential to disrupt those things. And that's a whole of DOD kind of an effort. And we're certainly a key aspect of that. But a lot of where we have to go with modernization is about creating that integration of capabilities down to the tactical level and protecting those things within joint force footprints. Um, so I don't have a good solution for you, but I know that that's the direction that we're, that we're going. Those are the conversations that we are having and have to have as we develop future capabilities. I think it's an exciting time, honestly. Um, I don't know how far behind we are or aren't, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential to, to innovate and to grow and to maintain that capability across the board, uh, not just psychological operations, but as you mentioned, sir, the, uh, the Army as a whole. Um, looking at it that way, um, what would you say to any soldiers out there or any American on the street who's considering a job in the Army or specifically considering jumping over and becoming a psyoper. Um, any insights to help that decision? Yeah, I think it depends on, on uh, where your interests lie. 
right? So if, if you're interested in sort of the Army Special Operations Forces dynamic of working in small teams, very small teams, um, remote locations, um, some of which are um, potentially denied areas, others are politically sensitive, like with embassies and things like that. If you're interested in trying to create multiple dilemmas for our adversaries, to be relevant in the future operating environment, um, then this might be the place for you, right? And I think that it's important to understand that people have invested in me over my career in PSYOP. And so when I was on the conventional side, there's no way I would have had the jobs that I've enjoyed within this community. So the idea that I've worked at, at tactical through strategic level, right? So I went from, I talked to you through my tactical time here in the groups, not long after that, I went up to work on the joint staff at the Pentagon, did that for a couple years, was able to brief the Secretary of Defense and get approval for key PSYOP authorities, um, dealt with all of the, the sort of senior principals within the Pentagon. That was a great opportunity, briefed the chairman as part of that. Um, and then I went back, as you, as you had mentioned, in my last job as the Director for Information Operations up in policy um, in the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations Low Intensity Conflict. Never would have had that opportunity in the conventional force. And then still, I got to uh, do battalion command, and I did my battalion command in the 82nd. And I was the deputy commander for 2nd Brigade Combat Team. So not only did I have this tactical through strategic level experience, I also had this great blending of soft and conventional force back and forth that let me really pull soft into the 82nd, but also now I'm pulling some of the conventional force, what do they need, back to the 8th group. And so for somebody who's interested in that kind of flexibility and mobility, I think SIAP is a great career field. I would agree with you, sir. Um, so, yeah, now I have to figure out how to end it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> did you want me to ask if there was uh, any closing comments or anything else you wanted to mention, sir? Uh, let's just kind of talk about, just kind of ask about where we are and where we're going. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of my segue. Yeah. So clearly, sir, uh, your experience uh, was well-rounded. I mean, um, I would consider myself lucky to have half of the experiences that you have in a, in a career here in RSOF. Um, and I think others can look to that as an example. Uh, given your breadth of, of observation throughout that career, what do you think about where we're at and where we're headed, sir? So this, this is actually a great time to be in the SIOP regiment and the active force in 8th group. Um, there, there's been a lot of changes lately. Um, and so one of which is we just um, established an information warfare center that's subordinate to 8th group but here at Fort Bragg. And so we're, we're looking at ways to modernize the force and to be able to leverage people's talents here so that it's not always about having to be deployed. If anybody should be using networks, it's us. And that's the premise behind what we're doing. So it's a great time to be in PSYOP. Um, and I think that in terms of our vision on where we're going, we're a much more coherent force than what I had experienced being here 18 years ago. The advent of assessment and selection has greatly increased the quality of the officers and the NCOs that we get. Um, so I'm thrilled. I, I really think that this is the place to be and, uh, and the outlook is great 
for our, for our regiment and for particularly our active duty forces. So our time's about up. Colonel Mushter, thank you very much for joining us today, sir. I think uh, your experiential insights um, have provided a, a good vantage point for those currently in the force and for anybody who might be thinking about uh, coming over to Army Special Operations, specifically the Psychological Operations Regiment. Appreciate your time, sir. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Everybody out there, thanks again for joining us today on the Knowledge Wins podcast. Uh, currently, you can find it on the Special Warfare Center and Schools YouTube channel. Below, you can find notes on the program on Colonel Mushtar and uh, the other guests that we've had. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to leave them. Uh, we'll definitely do our best to get back to you. And feel free to let us know if there are specific topics that you want to hear about. Uh, we're trying to evolve the podcast as we move along, and your opinion is definitely uh, important to us. Thanks again.